I cause, O Lord, for those who strive with me, fight against those who fight against me, take hold of shield and buckler and stand up for my help. Also draw out the spear and stop those who pursue me. Say to my soul, I am your salvation. Let those be put to shame and brought to dishonor who seek after my life. Let those be turned back and brought to confusion who plot my hurt. Let them be like chaff before the wind. Let the angel of the Lord chase them. Let their way be dark and slippery. And let the angel of the Lord pursue them, for without cause they've hidden their net for me in a pit, which they have dug without cause for my life. Let destruction come upon him unexpectedly, and let his net that he has hidden catch himself into that very destruction, let him fall. And my soul shall be joyful in the Lord, it shall rejoice in his salvation. All my bones shall say, Lord, who is like you, delivering the poor from him who is too strong for him. Yes, the poor and the needy, from his plunders or who plunder him. Yeah, as it is written here, the context is not today. The context is Saul chasing David. And David literally delivered a group of people in a city called Keilah in 1 Samuel from their enemies. Um, And then when he asked the Lord if they were going to betray him to Saul, if he should get out of there, God spoke to him and said, yep, the people you just uh, helped and the people you delivered are going to betray you. And so whether they were doing it for power or for money or for both, God delivered David and eventually put an end to Saul in his efforts, didn't he? David didn't lift his hand, but God did. Yeah, yeah. would you love to see Israel go to their knees and just seek God, say, help us and take care of this? Would you like to see Americans do that? Would you, do you do that? <laughs> so okay we said enough about that so okay so it's too painful you know to think about yeah so uh as this was written you know god delivers david puts an end to saul in his efforts now let me ask you is someone after you is there somebody after you peter would say yes <laughs> peter says yes somebody's after you tom somebody's after you ray Somebody's after you, Mia. Did you know that? The paranoids are after me. My brother used to say that all the time. No, but somebody is after you. So you don't know what that means. Okay, because you would have laughed if you understood my joke. It's never my fault. I want you to know that. Peter would say yes in 1 Peter 5, 8. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Does the Lord take up your cause, not your whims or your personal grudges, but your cause? The answer is yes, because your blood purchased, declared righteousness, God takes up to protect you through the blood of Jesus Christ and the promises of his kingdom. He does take up your cause, not you. And he tells us that we should put on in Ephesians 6 the armor of God, which includes the shield of faith to quench the fiery darts of the wicked one, the enemy that comes against us. Do you ever feel like that's happening to you? Yeah, sure. 11 through 28, I won't read. It contrasts the person of God who seeks his righteousness and and verse 13, though, it says, But as for me, when they were sick, my clothing was sackcloth. I humbled myself with fastings, and my prayer would return to my own heart. He, and he goes, I paced about for them. I was loving these people, and they turned against me. And those aren't just 
praise him, praise him, praise him in the morning. They are that. And they're not just cries about our own wickedness and our own failure, but there are psalms on that. And there's cries about being oppressed and persecuted and turned against by people that should have loved you but didn't. And so God contrasts, when they were in trouble, I helped them. We, like David, must lean on God. We cannot defeat Satan on our own. It was Deb Hollenbeck said to us in the car on the way home from Monday night prayer, She said, or on the way to church. She said, uh, you know, well, we were talking, I don't know, we were talking about uh, uh, the battle, and she said, you know, um, if Satan could deceive a third of the angels while they're in the presence of God. Now, just stop there for a minute. We don't know if it was a third. We assume a third by a third of the stars from heaven fell, one of the scriptures and some other things, but let's go with it. It's simple. If Satan could get a third of the angels to go his way while they were in the presence of God, do you think you're a match on your own for him? Do you think you could be tricked and deceived? Are you so smart? You think you're smarter than angels? More aware? Self- well, I'm self-aware. Give us a break. You're as lost in your mind as you could be if you're that self-aware, because that means you're not aware at all. On the other hand, our deliverer is great. First John 4, 4, you are of God, little children, and have overcome them, the ways of the world, Satan's dominion, because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Can I get a hallelujah? (laughs) Yeah, I can't do it on my own. I got no power on my own. I would be lost. But he who's in me is greater than he's in the world. And and, uh, I'm going to leave it there because there's a bunch, and I'll come back to it because I'll be teaching again next week, and I'll pick up some things I want to get somewhere. And you, though we don't want you to be rushing out of here, (laughs) you want to get somewhere too. So I'll come back to that. In Psalm 36, verses 1 through 12, which is the length of the psalm, an oracle within my heart concerning the transgression of the wicked. There is no fear of God before his eyes. He flatters himself with his own eyes when he finds out his iniquity and when he hates. The words of his mouth are wickedness and deceit. He has ceased to be wise and to do good. He devises wickedness on his bed. He sets himself in a way that is not good. He does not abhor evil. Your mercy, O Lord, is in the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the clouds. Your righteousness is like the great, I want to sing the song, don't you? The great mountains, your judgments are great and deep, are great deep. O Lord, you preserve man and beast. How precious is your loving kindness, O God. Therefore, the children of men put their trust under the shadow of of your wings. You need a direction to go? Get under the shadow of God's wings. They are, abundant, they are abundantly satisfied with the fullness of your house, and you give them drink from the river of your pleasure. For with you is the fountain of life. In your light we see light. Oh, continue your loving kindness to those who know you and your righteousness to the upright in heart. Let not the foot of pride come against me, and let not the hand of the wicked drive me away. There are workers of iniqu- there the workers of iniquity have fallen. They have been cast down and are not able to rise. What's interesting is the Psalms each stand on their own in one sense, but 
actually they're connected by the fact that they're in the midst of many emotions, many difficulties, many blessings. Are you with me? Are you following? That, you know, you don't get all the doctrine about God from one psalm. That's a mistake. You don't get all the doctrine about anything usually from one verse. You compare Scripture to Scripture and put it all together. But what is quite interesting, as the great theologian Woody said, if the boot fits, wear it. If the boot, or it was said towards him, I'm not sure. But, uh, but I will not go back and watch Toy Story again. <laughs> uh, so it's first between God and the wicked who whisper lies, make evil plans on their bed. When God reveals mercy from the heavens and righteousness from the mountains, they're doing evil while he's doing that. And then he lets us drink from the river of his pleasure. And I think we might see something on that in Psalm 37, the part that we read. Verse 11, he says, Let not the foot of pride come against me, and let not the hand of the wicked drive me away. Isn't that similar to when Jesus said, And when you pray, And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, or the evil one. So, again, we may come back to some of those verses, but Psalm 37 and Psalm 73 are like 37, 73. Do you get that? Do you see? 37, 73. 37, 73. This is to help you remember there are two Psalms that are extremely powerful with very stumbled by and tempted by seeing the success of the wicked. God does not leave this issue untouched. He doesn't answer everybody's questions the way they want it, but he has a very clear answer to us. And if you are stumbled and tempted and burdened because you see wickedness seemingly unchecked, listen up. Have you ever been there? Do not fret, verses 1 through 11, because of evildoers, nor be envious of the workers of iniquity, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord, trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. He shall bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Rest in the Lord and wait for a minute for him. (laughs) And then get ticked off all over again. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret, it only causes harm. For evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait on the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. For yet a little while, and the wicked shall be no more. Or another, and the wicked on. No, <laughs> if you didn't put the italic words in. Indeed, you will look carefully for his place, but it shall be no more. But the meek shall inherit the earth and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. Very interesting. Do we have any fretters here today? 
don't have to raise your hand. I see you. I see your wrinkles in your forehead. <laughs> what does it mean to fret? To be hot? It doesn't mean just nervous. To be hot, furious, burn, becoming angry, kindled, burning with anger. Three times in Psalm 37, when it says they'll soon be cut down, uh, it's you know, we say these words sometimes, an unfortunate translation in, in King James and New King James, meaning there's a better word, it's quickly, meaning once it starts, it will go fast. doesn't mean soon means two days from now, written, you know, written over 2,000 years ago, 20, almost 3,000 years ago. And you go, well, the soon doesn't seem very soon to me. No, it soon means once it starts, and that's also in Revelation, the things that must shortly come to pass. Once they get going, they're not stopping. God is never stopping, but he gives you markers, you know, you know, California, 3,280 miles away, you might see a sign. Rarely you'd see that. But as you get closer to California, then it'll have a town, and it will say, you know, uh, Los Angeles, you know, 840 miles. Los Angeles, 320 miles. Los Angeles, 45 miles. Yeah, as you get closer, you get more signs. So, to be hot, furious, and anger, you may or may not believe it that it's going to happen, that Jesus is coming back. It doesn't matter whether you believe it or not. Things change in a day, and they have more than once in human history. Do you understand that? We say, well, things are always the same. Are you sure about that? <laughs> things do change. Excuse me. Things, uh, things do change. Sometimes they go for what seems like a long time, and then suddenly they're different. Happens in your life personally, too. There's people that got up this morning, something's going to happen. I just, not even just death, that could come. That would change things for your whole family. All the dynamics change. An illness could come that you didn't expect. Money could come. The person who wins the billion-dollar lottery decides to share it with you. I would not hold my breath for that, okay? Life can change very quickly in ways that often we're scared of and don't like. Times that life will change. Believe that Jesus is coming, and it won't stop him. Okay, so what should we do instead of fretting? We'll start today. We won't finish and take a bit more next week. So if I miss something that seems obvious, just give me a break, okay, because I want to focus on one thing that came out to me very strongly in the midst uh, 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 of wickedness, trusting God is real, necessary, and available. You can, if you're sitting here today, and, and you're not different than the rest of us, and we're not chiding you, you may be saying, I just can't trust the Lord. I bet a bunch of us have said that. I just can't, I can't just give it to him and trust him. Trusting God is real, it is necessary, and it is available to you. But this trust is not a passive thing. Well, 
there are people who say, God's going to do whatever he does, but they're not living their lives in a trusting mode of focusing on what God wants to do with them and trusting him with circumstances in their life. They're just kind of making general statements. Well, God's going to do whatever he's going to do. Well, that's true, but he's told you a bunch of stuff he's going to do, not just prophecy about the future, but he's not. Bible is not nebulous. It can be difficult to understand. There's a lot of things in it, but it's not like it doesn't tell you things you need to know that are clear. It does. And we know that. You know, so instead of fretting, trusting the Lord, but it's not passive. So one thing David says, it's not the first thought, but he says, delight yourself in the Lord. How many times have you heard that first? Delight yourself in the Lord and it'll give you the desires of your heart. I think I've looked it up before, but I had forgotten. I looked up the word delight and it means, surprisingly, to, to be dainty even or pliable, to be soft Delicate, pliable. Translations can be difficult, but isn't it obvious that keeping your heart soft and pliable to God is what's being talked about here? Since the real meaning of that word is let God mold your heart, open your heart to God, let him work in it, keep your heart soft and pliable. So I got stuck on that. I hope you do. If you don't sleep tonight, I hope it's because you're laying awake thinking about this and wondering and asking the Lord to help you. See, but we can say this, and some will, but when I do that, when I keep my heart soft and pliable, it always gets broken. Do you know what? your heart will get broken. I am so thankful that the template for my life from the day that I turned, eight, when I got saved at 18 and a half, that the standard for my life was not, I am a rock, I am an island. Hey man, I grew up, I mean, I wrote Paul Simon letters of evangelism. You know, a winter's day in a deep and dark December, I am alone hiding in my room, deep within my womb. I touch no one and no one touches me. I am a rock, I am an island. And a rock feels no pain. And an island never cries. I was going to do the, I could go through the whole, I just put pieced together a few. It's really beautifully written. And it's a guy who has some self-awareness. I don't think he was saying that's a good place to be. I think he was using the song to say, it's a terrible place to be. It's a terrible place to be to have a hard heart. I'll say it in a different way. It's a terrible place to be, to have a hard heart. And your heart will get broken. But the, 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 the wonderful thing is God can heal a broken heart, but a hard heart, he's just got to break it so that he can put it back together and heal it. Now, some would say this is stupid. They would definitely say, and you might be one of them out there, and I'm talking to you. Yeah, I'm talking to you. If you say, this is stupid, you want us to be weak-minded lemmings. My response is not my response. My response would be verse 8. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret. 
it only causes harm. You can get as mad at me as you want. I didn't write any of this. I'm not smart enough to say any of this or to understand any of this on my own. God is smart enough to know your heart. He made you. He made you. He made you. Jeremiah 17, 9 and 10. We've shared it before, but it's worthy right now. Jeremiah 17, 9 and 10. Why should I let God mold my heart? Why should I let God see my heart get broken and hurt? Why should I not harden my heart and just stick to what I want to do and not worry about it? Verse 9 and 10 of Jeremiah 17. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Stop. It doesn't say the Palestinian Islamic terrorist heart. It doesn't say the Israeli heart. It doesn't say the Russian heart. It doesn't say the Ukrainian heart. It doesn't say the Christian heart. It doesn't say the non-Christian. You get to the Christian when you're thinking, well, what's a Christian heart? Okay, I'll back off of that one. Get what I'm saying? The heart of every person is deceitful above all things. So the first thing for me to do as a teacher is to help you understand is simply to ask you, do you believe that? Do you sitting here today and you don't, I'll simply trust the Lord to show you. And it will be somewhat painful, but it's something you need. Your heart naturally is deceitful. Guess who we deceive the most? Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes you watch it. You see a person in self-deception, everybody around them knows, and they're thinking they've, they've aced this. It's very sad. I'm sure I've been that guy. But I hope it's in the past mostly. <laughs> the heart is deceitful above all, desperately wicked who can know it. I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind. Actually, that's kidneys. And because they said your bowels, your inner person, it wasn't your heart in those days, just your heart. They also talked about your inner person of your bowels, but it was the seat of your, of your will and your emotion, so it's the same. I test the mind even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. You can trust the Lord because he's going to reward you and give you exactly what you deserve. Well, wait a minute. I don't know if time out. I don't know if I want what I deserve. <laughs> Yeah, that's where the mercy and grace of Jesus Christ comes in. You're going to receive the righteousness. You have received the righteousness of Christ, and you're going to be a co-heir with Christ. As 8 tells us in other places, it's an amazing gift that we've been given. So I, the Lord, search the hearts, and I test you in your inner person. Are you being tested? Are you going to be tested? Yeah, a guy from Israel said, uh, He's a friend of a friend of mine. He's a very thorough part of this. He goes, and I'm not saying I agree with him on what he thinks should or should happen. He says, the love of Christians for Israel is going to be tested because of what we're, the people who even claim they love us because we have to do what we're going to do. And I'm not, again, I don't know what they're supposed to do totally. But I, I know that I heard that word testing of your heart, and I thought, wow. How are you doing? Not about that issue. Because probably for most of us here, there's stuff that's far more prevalent to you. Even though you care about that, even though you want to figure out how to think about that, even though it might scare you, probably in a couple of days, unless things get really more heated up, and they might, 
It, become, it, it, could go, it could go really wild here. And to anybody that says it couldn't do that, all the commentators, all the commentators are saying this thing could go deep really quick. This could go big. But let's say it doesn't go that big. Or let's say even while it's going big, what happens in your life is that you and I tend to focus right down to what's going on in our life. I mean, I, I don't know that you cannot do that. You get the big picture that you're here for a short period of time. Your life is, um, that's what your life is on this earth. So you either believe God's way of looking at life or you believe your own way of looking at your life. And your own way of looking at life, if it's not God's way, is this is life. And I'm hanging on and I'm fretting. <laughs> right? This is who we are by nature. So anyway, the heart's deceitful above all things, desperately wicked. Who can know it? Desperately wicked. Incurable, desperate, desperately wicked, woefully sick. Take your pick. Peep, that's the, the translations or the you know, expression of it. People get deceived by their own hearts everywhere. And remember that, that you don't have to look at some situation that's so extreme across the world because every day in the United States of America, somebody who was once a lover is now a murderer of the person they loved. Almost every day. Right here in River City, people, people, yes, there's craziness, there's insanity, there's darkness, there's Satan's influence. Welcome to the whole world. And people say, I killed her because I loved her. Or people kill themselves and their family because they can't stand the breakup. Is that love? Is that demonic? Is that satanic? Is it everywhere? Not, I'm sorry. Glad it's not Christmas. Merry Christmas. But, I mean, <laughs> are you being tested? So, it, you know, watching the wicked prosper in Psalm 73, I just want to bring you there because he gives a little bit more Uh, Asaph, which is really a title for another author, and he says in verse 16 through 18, he goes, watching the wicked prosper, I thought, I've wasted my time. I've wasted my time, and my heart was getting hard, is what he's really saying. And in verse 16 through 18 of Psalm 73, it says, when I thought on this, on how to understand this, it was too painful for me. When I thought on how to understand this, it was too painful. Does anybody, does that help anybody go, I'm not alone? I started thinking about all these things about the world I live in and the wicked getting away with stuff and the confusion and the battling back and forth. And and even in my own life, the people that have turned on me that I've tried to help and I've tried to do the right thing and and I just don't understand it. When I think about it, it's just too stinking painful for me. I can't even stand to think about it. Well, this guy seemed to know what you're going through. When I thought how to understand this, it was too painful for me until I went into the sanctuary of God. Then I understood their end. Surely you set them in slippery places. You cast them down to destruction. My friends, when I went into the house of God and the sanctuary, it doesn't mean just I went to church. And the reason I'm saying that is because there's people that go to church every week and have through centuries who hold on to their bitterness. Who remain unchanged. People, and there's even churches that promote bitterness against other people, groups, and hatred, and do stuff like that. 
not clarity of mind, but hatred. What it does mean is he must have seen the sacrifices, the prayer ascending, the priesthood functioning, the word of God honored, or perhaps it's just a way of saying, I came into the presence of God in a real way. Last night I was, um, you wonder what I'm doing. Welcome, me too. <laughs> I know, I know. We're going to take communion in just a minute and I want to get it. Um, I had that moment again that I love, and I hope you have this moment. And sometimes you need to cultivate it. Just alone by yourself with God, sitting in your favorite spot. And you may just be praying and thinking, and then it's like you understand. The God who created everything, who understands all the chaos and all the mess, who is busy with all the things that are going on, is listening to you personally and interacting with you personally. He's not distracted. He's not, well, yeah, I mean, you're just this one guy or gal sitting in your chair. I got a lot of stuff that matters, and you're low on the list. Do you know that that's, that diminishes God? You're not being humble when you think that way, that God's got bigger things to do than you. That's not humility. Right. Able, but has declared his love and care for you personally. And I was sitting there, and it was you. And I was feeling insecure about a lot of things, which I don't always feel, but I do sometimes. I was feeling my insecurity. And I realized, you know, you made me. And you like it that you made me. I'm not saying he likes everything I do, sin. But he likes me. He loves me. He purposely made me to be Rick. Not everyone out there likes that, <laughs> but he does. He loves you and cares about you and focuses 100% on you, and you can talk to him with that understanding. We're going to take communion. Bill's going to come up and lead us, and I will say no more. <laughs>